Welcome to the Wise Podcast. Joining me here in the studio in London is Sarah Jones to talk about leadership today. Thanks, Aisha. Lovely to be here. Um, Leadership is undergoing a massive evolution, almost Mm. a revolution, where we're going from kind of hierarchical Mm. leadership to a lot more of a collaborative leadership. You have an expertise in this area. I work in this area also. Tell us a bit about your experiences of this transition. Absolutely. I think this transition transition's been coming for a while so we started off with transformative leadership which was a body of work looking at how leadership could be done in a more conscious manner and then I think what's happened because of the pandemic people have had to shift so it's it's accelerated a trend that was already happening and some companies were grasping hold of and exactly as you say away from that sort of patriarchal hierarchical approach to a more collaborative approach because when I was working with leaders during the pandemic, they would often say, this is like working in fog. We don't know how to go about this. So many times during the pandemic, they were working without data, without information, therefore relying on collaboration. And I think that remote environment does lead to collaboration. And certainly in organisations where they have many different functions, many different projects, you have to be able to collaborate to be agile and succeed. Mm -hmm. And also, obviously, since COVID, so many Mm. people are working from home and that is forcing um, companies to be more collaborative because there Mm. isn't any other way to really operate. 100%. So 50% of companies and employees are now adopting this approach. And I think what leaders are starting to realise and good organisations is that we are human beings, not doings. Because during the pandemic, leaders had to become more self-aware, emotionally aware and emotionally aware to support their teams. They saw other aspects of their teams and colleagues' lives that you wouldn't usually see. So I think what we're recognising is that actually people do have complexities complexities outside of the working day and they need that flexibility and people are demanding it so there's no real going back when you say they've had this insight into their Mm. workforce that they didn't have before which Mm. has emerged post-pandemic tell us a bit about what kind of insights CEOs and bosses and managers have have gained and garnered from their employees well during the pandemic actually just at the time of the pandemic I worked with quite a number of CEOs who were looking at well how do I present myself what's my leadership brand during this time and I was working with them to help them develop the art of listening the art of empathy which have always been good leadership skills leaders do not need to know all the answers to all the questions very often they have to listen and see the person in front of them rather than a group of people who are churning out PowerPoints, doing loads and loads of different things, but really see the individual. And that's a much more authentic, conscious way of leading that's really important here to stay. And I was just speaking to the team at WISE, Mm. the Young Generation Z team here at WISE, and they were very much for collaborative leadership and saying that we're not just, we're just, you know, we can go freelance. We've got lots of opportunities open to us. If we don't feel that our well-being is being taken care of, we're not going to stick it out. We're not going to work in toxic working cultures. This seems to be the mindset also of the younger generations, which is forcing leaders and CEOs to have to make a transition too. I think that's absolutely correct and I talk to a lot of companies and I run workshop with companies who are looking at programs such as reverse mentoring. So where specifically employees give feedback to their boss in much more of an open way, an open forum, and the leaders that are ready to do that listen. And I think with the younger generations, exactly as you say, they're not prepared to just put up with a toxic culture. 
and they want agency over the direction of the company. They want to have a voice and they want to know, well, actually, I'm working for you, but what are you doing for me? Do you care about the things that I really care about, not the things you tell me to care about? And there are options. Sometimes I feel I was born in the wrong decade because that was my <laughs> attitude back then as well. You know, ah. I said, hang on a minute. Is this working for me? When you were working in the corporate world? Exactly. And did you exactly. voice your opinions in that way? Yeah, I'm I'd, lucky or unlucky. I'm a very resilient, tenacious person. So I was always able to have those conversations. And sometimes it is about having those brave conversations. And I think the younger generations have that attitude. I mean, can you imagine walking around today with an old Nokia phone that didn't take photographs, that couldn't take video? It would be what's this? Why have I got this? And it's similar to the workplace. It's evolving and shifting. And as I mentioned, the pandemic has just accelerated some of those those moves. Mm-hmm. And I always think that, you know, some people are maybe um, resistant, a little bit hesitant leaders, mm. for example, who are used to a more hierarchical approach. Yeah. But the proof is in the pudding and it's yeah. in the results. And the yeah. results show that companies who have embraced a collaborative approach, it is it has phenomenal results when they get it right. It is great for staff. It's great for turnover. It's great for profits. It great. It's great for productivity. Mm. So it is a win-win ultimately, and it, it the results are showing that this is the right way forward. If you have a business that has a diverse board, for example, and a, a diverse workforce, then studies show time and time again that that leads to greater innovation. You start to identify talent and you start to grow at a more steady level over the medium to longer term because what you're doing is building an organisation that reflects the younger generations as we've talked about, that reflects society and actually what's happening today, there's a lot of compliance around environment, um, society, governance, ESG and many investors are looking at companies and asking, well, how are you leading your company? How are you managing your company? How are you managing your impact? And a lot of pension funds are only investing in companies that have a good ESG framework because consumers are saying, hang on a minute, the environment's important to me, society's important to me, I want to know exactly where my pension funds are going. So it all argues for the case of authentic conscious leadership and what's sometimes called conscious capitalism. And you work specifically with leaders in Mm. authentic and conscious Mm. leadership. Tell Mm. us your approach and when you are working with leaders, how do you go about it? How do you help them make this transition? Yeah, so what we do to start with is I have a diagnosis, a diagnostic tool rather. I have a number of tests that I can help diagnose, if you like, their Mm. leadership style. And it shows me... Number one, what's right with you, because I like to build people up as well. That's part of my role is to help you to understand how to play from your strengths and then where we might need to build you up in certain areas. So, for example, we look at the vision of the organisation, the alignment and the execution of the strategy. And typically what I'm seeing is that leaders today are still very good at executing on a strategy But that vision, that alignment that calls for continuous feedback, listening, asking questions, stepping back a bit, servant leadership, 
are some of the areas where people need to develop. So we pinpoint those various attributes, we start working on them, and then we do role play. We might bring in one of their team to sort of have a dummy run on, well, how did this transaction or interaction feel to you? What would you like to do, see your leader do differently? So we use a number of different techniques, but you know, I think it's amazing that leaders, you know, are picking up the phone and saying, Sarah, I know I've got the right intentions, but things have changed and I don't know how to lead in the way that I used to lead. So mm. yeah, that's admirable. And how long do you see it? How long does it generally take when you're working with a leader to see that transition mm. from their previous style of leadership into one that is more collaborative yeah. and is more servant leadership? Yeah, well, I think if somebody picks up the phone and asks for help and has an awareness that something needs to change, they're halfway there. Exactly. If you've yeah. picked up the phone yeah. and committed, you're halfway there. So you're a very self-aware person. Um, in the first instance. So what tends to happen is we have a flight path or a runway for three months and it's quite intense and it requires them to go off and do exercises and other things. But usually, honestly, within the first few sessions, I see people literally transform their posture. They look 10 years younger sometimes, all the stress and the worry has gone. And because they've taken that decision to invest and grow, that automatically creates a confidence that you're moving forward. So three months intensively, and then we do some ongoing monitoring to see how you're going. Because yeah. I can imagine it is good for, and nourishing for the soul of a leader as well, you know, when they because yeah. when they are going into a more collaborative style, they are going into something which is better for them, better mm. for others. It is more holistic. It is more healthy. Exactly. And I think one of the, the, the tenets of conscious leadership is understanding stress, burnout, noticing it in your teams, because burnout can be very insidious, like a candle burning down on a wick, and noticing it within yourself. So it does relieve stress, and it relieves that burden of, oh my goodness, I need to know all the answers. It's all on me. So it does relieve that stress. So if leaders can let go of their ego and be willing to listen, but if you're going to listen and take feedback and ask for innovative ideas, you have to go back to people and say, well, look, we're going to take this forward. We're not going to take this forward, you know, and agree it together. So it's, it is so much healthier. And also for the business, because you're not just stuck in your own echo chamber. You're taking a broad church of ideas from different populations, different cultures that guess what? At actually reflect society mm -hmm. mm. I guess it's also more humbling for leaders right because often people go into senior positions in leadership because there is a desire for power yeah. this is saying okay no 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 it's not all about power power is for the people here it, so mm. it is actually very humbling it is it can be and some companies still operate in that way but what I found when I was looking at some data is that only 10% of people are natural born leaders according to studies. So the rest of us are sort of learning, making it up as we go along. Mm. And then that traditional sort of style of directive instructional leadership, as in, I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it. Again, studies show that's only about 12% of leaders naturally have that style. So that means the rest of the leadership population has decided that that 12% is right and we're going to adapt that style and try and mimic it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's much healthier to be able to let that go. And it's much healthier to identify your strengths, your attributes and play to those. Because when you do that, you're more successful and you're happier.
Talking about servant leadership, though, servant mm. leaders generally have been those like Martin Luther King, Nelson yeah. Mandela, great leaders of the mm. past who have saved nations yeah. and saved people. And bringing this into corporations is quite a massive, mm. tra- it's quite a big change. It is, but I've seen I've seen lots of organisations in certain sectors. I work a lot in pharmaceuticals, yeah. and the pharmaceutical companies, because they have a high level of ethics compliance, I think they really tend to look at these areas and have lots of training courses. I've seen it with PR agencies as well. Traditionally, very busy, busy, busy. They still are, but they're bringing in time for employees to grow and develop. So it's it's taking time, but it's happening. Mm. And I think leaders are starting to recognise that well, I need to do something different. Don't get me wrong, I coach people working for large brands and at the end of the coaching they've decided to leave within a few sessions because it, well, actually within a few sessions because it's just such a toxic environment that they're not going to be able to change. So that's the price you pay if you don't adopt some of these challenges. We've seen it in the media. I've seen it with clients where we've tried to adopt a more servant, humble style and it's like, and they're sticking to the old ways of doing things. They've just lost people because people want to have a voice in their own development. Now, whether you're introvert or extrovert, the extroverts will tell you anyway, but the introverts take a bit of time, then they tend to lean lean forward Mm. and do it in their own way. Now, biotech and pharmaceuticals, Mm. these are quite left-brained thinkers. Mm. That kind of emotional intelligence doesn't necessarily come naturally to them anyway. So I think when you're working Mm. with those kind of companies in that sector in particular, Mm. do you find it's a harder transformation and change to to generate? It's interesting because within pharma and biotech, you've got lots and lots of different departments. So I've worked with medical teams where you do have people that are very much of an analytical mindset, but their leader is a very outgoing, extrovert, different type of character. You tend to find there are blends of people in different teams. And then when you get to the commercial end of things, such as marketing, you tend to get different styles. But you do tend to get certain... Um, general trends in departments, so in compliance, in medical, where sometimes letting go of that technical mindset or doing it in a way that makes sense to them so they're not pretending to be someone that they're not is Mm -hmm. really, really important. Mm. So what do you think are the first steps that leaders who want to make the transition need to start Mm. implementing in their own communication style to make them more collaborative. Mm. Those who are listening from corporations Mm. um, and organizations who think, you know what, we haven't been doing our leadership in a collaborative way, now we wanna start. What are the first things that they can start doing? Okay, so when I talk about conscious leadership, that self-awareness that fits in with conscious capitalism about how you work for we, not me, you're working for the whole of society. People want to know the impact of your business, how you're treating employees. I get the people that I work with to draw a line on a piece of paper and then throughout the day for the next few weeks, it's almost like a heartbeat. Where are you above the line? So above the line means you've got a fixed, uh, sorry, an open mindset, a flexible mindset. You're feeling okay, you're dealing with challenges and learning with them. If you're below the line, that's a very closed, I'm not willing to listen mindset or I'm really stressed. So we always take their leadership heartbeat for a few weeks and then... What I would encourage people to do is try that exercise and then see how much you're being triggered, how stressed and burnt out are you because you can try and make changes but if you need to adapt first and release some of these pressures then that needs to come first. Listening, it sounds so simple and I think Bruce Lee said the one that listens the most has the most power in the room. It sounds really, really simple but people don't do it. 
They mm-hmm. interrupt. They don't listen. They don't ask questions. Listen and consciously listen. Not listening just to get information, but that you're actually interested and invested in what the person's hearing so you can ask the right questions. Because a number of times I've seen this and a new innovation has emerged from that company, from somebody where they might not have expected it to. So and spend time with your team. As a leader, it's, it's a real mindset around, to be frank, if you don't want to be involved in helping people grow and develop, if you don't want to lead people, guess what? Don't become a leader. Because most of your time should be spent, at least half of your mm. time, with your team, with your people, growing them, developing them, checking out on them. And with you know leaders who are you know and companies that are undergoing this transition mm. for some it can be a bit of a struggle mm. and they are struggling with regards to getting the balance right mm. because you can go the other way and it can be too collaborative and then the, you can lose a sense of direction and it doesn't necessarily work and some companies are experiencing this amazon recently have had to change their approach slightly mm. towards their employees with regards mm. to a recent incident where they emailed them um, about coming back to work from working from home and that kind of more collaborative approach didn't mm. necessarily work and they had to go back to a more hierarchical approach in their style so i think also for companies it is a bit of trial and error and experimenting before you so. get the balance yeah and permission to fail that's yeah. a big thing in organizations now and failure is only failure if you don't learn from it you know and sometimes you might have to make the the mistake a couple of times before the penny drops and it's like oh hang on we need to do something different but it's interesting with amazon it's like well how much collaboration was there to start with about actually engaging with the teams and saying, well, what works for you? What can, how can we make it work? Mm. How can we have the right tools to collaborate together? How do we make sure that people are onboarded? And this is a pet subject of mine, offboarded properly when they leave so that it's a good employee experience all the way through. And but you do have to have the right policies and procedures in place, but you can discuss those with your team. So I have worked with leaders who have a very um, a super empathetic style and empathy is great emotional awareness is great emotional intelligence but sometimes hanging on to perhaps staff a bit too longer longer than they should mm. or not dealing with conflict and sometimes I think with words like conscious leadership authentic leadership that also means dealing with change and dealing with conflict not avoiding it you still have to deal with those things but it's about how you go about it it's about the way you deal with it to have a more humane Mm. approach and a win-win mentality rather than you know i win you lose yeah yeah, Mm. rather than ruling with fair how do you see things moving forward i mean this evolution is happening at the moment um this style of collaborative leadership is continuing how do you see things Mm. going from your work i think it's set to continue and I, I sort of laugh to my friends because I've got young nieces and nephews. They're all about 16 and 17. And I say to my friends, do you know, one day I think they're going to laugh and say, I can't believe Auntie Sarah used to spend two hours on the M25 every morning. That was crazy. You know, sometimes we sort of look at what our parents did and think, wow, how did they do that? And I hope they're going to, the girls especially, are going to, say well I can't believe women were never paid the same as men I think that would be like wonderful for me to hear that I think this is set to continue unless there's another seismic change in the world because I think people do have choices younger people are thinking about well hang on a minute I'm not happy here I'm going to move I might set up my own business and in fact I might have my own career and a side hustle and a side gig that's going to become 
you know, I hear people talking about second careers, on-call careers all the time. So I think that more flexible way of working is set to continue. And I think leaders, that's just going to be the way it is. I think I'm sure it's just not going to be a debate. And it's unless there's something that completely changes the world, then it's going to become more and more important to younger generations and expected, expected. I mean... I was working in a remote fashion, in a hybrid fashion, way before the pandemic when I was employed. But that was out of necessity because I was getting up at four in the morning to get on the Eurostar to go to Brussels. So I think it's going to be expected now and reflecting society, continue to reflect society. And the role of the company has changed. It's no longer somewhere I go to work, I clock in and clock out. It's about how good a corporate citizen are you. And where did your passion for this emerge from? Mm, I think when I was younger, you know, my parents struggled quite a bit. So I think I've always had that resilience and tenacity to work through challenges. You know, things, you know, I grew up in the 70s and, and money was quite tight then. So I saw them working really, really hard, which led to my career. And I think their stoicism and resilience rubbed off on me. And I've always been a very solutions-focused person. It's like, what's my vision in life? Okay, I want to be happy. I want to help people. And if I can't be be that or do that, then let me adapt and see how I can. So I think it's just naturally built into me, that re resilience and tenacity. And I think if I reflect on my role in corporate affairs, government affairs, all that kind of work, very often I'd be, and you've probably found this in the work that you do, in that area, you're the one person in the room telling the CEO or the MD why they shouldn't do something, while, whereas everybody else is saying, oh, yeah, it's a really good idea. And you're the one with the objective lens to say, we shouldn't do this. There's another way because externally this is how it's going to be perceived. Mm. So I think that ability to challenge, to ask why, to be solutions-focused as well and to advise people, I can see how that's come from my corporate affairs career into coaching but it's just super rewarding and yeah. Sarah any final words of wisdom that you'd mm. like to share to yeah. uh, with those who are listening yeah I would say to people just don't struggle because I work with people who pick up the phone want to have coaching and then they sort of say well I haven't got the time I haven't got you know the ability to do it at the moment and then they're in the same place a year later in a worse position so if you are feeling burnt out stressed or you've got a question and you think listen to your intuition just reflect stop what you're doing just sit put your hand on your stomach just whatever you need to do reflect listen to yourself because you've got the answers it's just they've been buried and buried and buried in all this busyness we're in and do something about it the collaboration it seems is the future mm, for yeah, businesses 100%. corporations and organizations yeah, that's where the innovation's coming from you know how how did we ever think that a few people in the room would know everything about a business because 99% of a business's problems are actually not understood by the leadership team. Yeah, it's by the, those who are working on the ground. Yeah, they have the answers. and that's not a criticism of the leadership yeah. team. You know, the leaders are trying to work with investors and analysts and grow the business and shape the direction. But all of those issues of we need to fix this, this and this are in other parts of the organisation. Sarah, thank you so much thank for joining you. me on it's the Wise Podcast. Thank, thank you. you.